Uh, yes, and I just want to say, everybody, to welcome you in. And uh, this is Rick Poundstone, and this is the Draft Champion Z podcast. And we've got a very special guest tonight that we're going to get to in just a moment. Um, I do want to forewarn everyone that there is another uh, human uh, in my little home here with me tonight. And I'm, I'm going to do my best to keep him off the air, uh, but he is going to... No. He is, he is going to try to interject at some point, I believe. But anyway, we have got a guest here with us tonight. This is, check the notes. Uh, uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Thought he was gone. Jazz Ball's own. Uh, it is Clay Albright. Uh, and, and Zach is here too. Uh, yo, Rick, Wait I don't think that's, um, this is not Clay Albright. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, excellent. Yeah, I don't. Who, who who do we have here? This is Eric Albright. He um, he has over sixty five NFBC league titles. I don't know. If, I don't know if you have you counted Eric. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Clay has any titles, and I don't think anyone named, I don't think anyone else named Albright has any like close to this. <laughs> okay, I've got a title for him. <laughs> What's his title? Well, what, I can't what, say that on. I'll maybe I should say that into the second part of the podcast. All right. Well, Eric, you got looks like three top five overall cut line finishes. You got a top 10 main event. You got a top 10, three top 10 draft champions. I think maybe two in the same year. You're, you're cashing in over 30 year leagues. Um, I don't know. I probably missed, I probably missed a lot of stuff, but like you're a pro at a lot of these things and you've been doing it a long time. What's going on? Hey man. Nice to be here. Nice to Um, see you again. Yeah, nice to see you too. Uh, met in Vegas. Was that two years ago? Or oh, this, pa- this past one? Past one. It was a blur, anyways, right? I guess. Yeah, it was a blur. So, uh, yeah, enjoy enjoy uh, the podcast. Listen to every one of them, and uh, uh, and appreciate the invite. No problem. It's been too long because you. I don't like a guy like you that has like this type of resume. Not even not even being asked on a podcast. Like this is this is crazy. Anyway, there's not, there's not any there's not any podcast going on right now. Anyways, it's November. The, last, <laughs> right. the only the only like mainstream podcast I've heard is like like I look at the Rotowire. They got a podcast on it's me. I'm like, what the fuck? Like this is this is awful. <laughs> I don't want to listen to my, this, like this is yeah. Like, I got my full dose of Waxman last week. <laughs> what the fuck? Like this is like a, finally there's a pot there's a good podcast Rotowire that's coming out with a podcast and who do they have this? It's that's that's, that's fucking bullshit. I'm like I want some, <laughs> I want some, I want to want to hear somebody that's going to talk about something that I that's going to help me not. Fucking me on Rotowire talking about revive plugging Rick's shit. I did, you know, and I did. Uh, I heard that that Rotowire uh, podcast was brought to you by Revive. It was, and I've got a few things to say about Revive at some point because I don't know that I feel the same that I once did. But we will maybe get into that later tonight. Is Lou there? Well, that's the other human I was referencing. Yes, he is here, and I'd rather. Yeah, I'd rather avoid it if I could. Well, he's welcome to be to come on. Like he's take, he can come no, out of hiding. Rick, you never introduced me yet. Ladies and gentlemen, do I have to do what's on the script? Ladies and gentlemen, my brother in arms. Jesus Christ, I can't believe this. Who writes this shit? It is Bjorn Albright. Bjorn, uh, I don't even know his fucking uh, Masonson doctor. Yeah, so is exactly. that what you're what, what, what's going on with you? You got a lot of professions these days, Bjorn. Yeah, that that was close, Rick. It's Doctor Masterson. 
uh, I am still a fantasy doctor. I always will be. Um, but I'm also getting into the the real estate game a little bit. So I'll I'll talk about that periodically. Just it's all about uh, side hustles and extra streams of income. And but the most notable thing from this last weekend is I met my pop pop uh, Rupert, <laughs> and that was incredible. I never thought it would happen. Um, and you know. He he was he he wants me to be more of a man, so I am gonna work work on that. He kind of cracked me upside the head with his knuckles, and he said, "Hello, hello," like I, like I was Barney McFly or something, you know. So thank you, Rupert. Um, <laughs> we're scheduled to have Thanksgiving dinner together. Uh, I don't. Why know do you, you call thought. your own pop pop Rupert? I mean, that doesn't compute. But anyway, back to this Thanksgiving shit. Because he wants he wants me to be a man, and you know. As a man, I'll refer to another man by his name. That's that's okay. I'm gonna have Thanksgiving with uh, Rupert and possibly Taylor Mathis. Uh, I was commenting on on a post of hers, and so was Rupert, and we were talking about mashed potatoes and stuff. And my girlfriend, and then Taylor said, "What is going on in my timeline?" And you know, we'll see if if anything happens from that. Um, but speaking about food, Rick. Uh, I know you eat a lot of White Castle, so I wanted to, to just talk to you a little bit about vegetables. Do you know the difference between uh, chickpea and lima beans? What are you trying to rope me into? No, well, yes. The, the, the I... difference is you've never had a lima bean in your mouth before. Okay, what? I don't understand. No, I don't believe I have. Is this something I'm supposed to... No, no, the, the, the chick, the chickpea and the lima bean. All right. Well, I got, I got going. that. What, Rick, you never had a chickpea in your mouth? I never had a, boys, I don't understand what is going on here. I, I have a very beautiful wife. Her name so is Eric, Amy. how did you get started in uh, fantasy baseball? Okay. Uh, I got started uh, my, so I live in outside of Cincinnati. Now I grew up in South Bend. Um, and my best friend, his name was Mike, and his dad owned like a ton of Little Caesars. And I got in the, when I was 12, I got in the 1989 AL auction, Little Caesars Executive Baseball League. And I've, <laughs> and I've been hooked ever since. I got, I remember getting McGuire and I got uh, Robin Ventura. And that was my big stab and uh, hooked ever since. And then I found the NFBC on... I think just internet searches. I got in in year two, so I was not year one. So I've been there since two. Wow. Yeah, and your, your track record, like I was saying, um, pretty impressive. A lot of, like, ton of league wins um, and, and, and uh, a lot of volume and a lot of success and a lot of uh, a high rate of success, which is three things that are hard to do individually, and you've done them all um, simultaneously. So that's, that's really good. Um, and, um, yeah, I think you're overdue to be on a podcast. Maybe not – Maybe this is not your, your first choice to be in a podcast with Bjorn and Rick, but like, we're going to try and make this as, as comfortable for you as possible. That's not um, true at all. We're, um, we're actually in the draft together right now uh, at Draft Champions League. And, I, and I've noticed just looking at your track record, you do like to get in some of the early ones. You're, um, yep. you're, you're in that premature, you're in the premature e-draftulation e league. Don't comment Bjorn um, about that, but um, I saw you're in that one. Do you like to get into the early ones? You think there's a lot of value to exploit? Yeah, there is. There, the funny thing is early has taken a whole different tone than it used to. So mm -hmm. when I said I was in a draft that started after the World Series, 
people would think you were crazy. And we we drive we drive Greg and Tom nuts because we'd had send them an Excel spreadsheet of a draft <laughs> we did over email, and then they'd you know they'd enter it in November December or something like that. Now, you know, the draft room's opening the day after the season. If you'd have told me that 10 years ago, I'd have, I'd have thought you were crazy. So, um, you know, there, there are probably 20 drafts that have been going or going now. And uh, I held off as long as I could. So uh, I just got in my first one with you. So I'm a little behind on the new stuff, but trying to learn some of these new positions and kind of trial by fire here. Yeah, man. Like um, I'm trying to like – wait to get into tons of them because I needed to tone down. But then I saw you're in one. I knew you're coming on the podcast. I'm like, ah, you know, this will be something to talk about. Um, Absolutely. I, I'm, I wouldn't have normally joined this one because I know there's a um, bunch of guys I know that are in it that I know are good players. So I'm going to try to pick my spots more, more carefully this year, rather than just join any draft and just right. join anything that Vlad Sadler tells me to join uh, because <laughs> he, he, wants, he wants to fill the league. Um but um, do you do you do that at all? Do you like do you do you look at league selection? I know people do, and and some people don't. Uh, some people are that alpha. I'm like I'll beat anyone. But um, what, yeah, what's... I would say uh, like one of the guys I'm trying to avoid doesn't bug me. But if you know, if there's two or three in there, um, you know, I'm trying to. I mean, guys off the top of my head, uh, you know, Phil. I've done so many drafts with Posma since he came in the league. Yeah, Posma is the first guy that I think think of too. It's insane. Just I so mean, consistent. Yeah, we probably drafted in the same league. I know he could probably tell you better than me, but it's a lot. Um, Madika drafts a lot like me. Uh, Gecko, Dan Kenyon drafts a lot like me. Um, Eric, Eric Hammerleg. Yeah, yeah, Mager. Um, so that's that's the guys, but, you know, one or two maybe, but once you get into four or f- three or four of them, it's it's kind of tough to win. Yeah, especially if you're – I've heard Mike the – Mike the Mouth call uh, Kenyon Doughboy. I don't know why that nickname. Uh, I don't know the story. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that's a shot at me. Uh, that's someone. <laughs> um, that's a name that I was called in middle school. Go ahead. All right. Well, I, I definitely look at that. I'm trying to, like, especially if I'm in so many leagues, like, I can definitely afford, afford to be a little bit more picky. Um like just for example, the main, I did three main events and the one I won one of them and yeah. um, it was noticeably like, I will admit it was a softer league. Just um, it, I, I, and I've done some analysis of the fab um, in the main event and that league, I could feel it. Those, the players were available, players that were available every week just weren't available in any other leagues. They weren't even, sometimes not even available in like the, the smaller auctions, like the $150 auctions that I did. Right. Uh, it was just a league that was, not as not quite as active some of the more um sought after players by the like by the sharp players they they were available more so for me in that league it was it did it did at least feel a little bit softer so i think that does play into it like i looked at like bob uh bob kramitola's league uh as well Mm -hmm. the, the you know bob won the main event and steve weimer who also finished second overall but won that league was in that same league so I looked at the I looked at those leagues and it wasn't noticeably um, like it, it wasn't a significantly softer, but um, it definitely like um, it definitely was on the lower end of like fab like fab usage like like the overall um, the total fab spent in the main event was ninety four point four percent of the fab in that league it was ninety point two so it was on the lower like 
of the overall fab spent in that league. It was on the lower end. Same with the one that I did win. Um, mm -hmm. your, I believe the one that you were battling with Phil in, in your main event, um, that was one of the more competitive ones in terms of just fab. Like there's other aspects of, uh, of competition than, than just fab, but, um, people, I think it's, I think it's interesting to look at, um, how, how tough it is to win a main event and you've done so well, you, um, you, you finished in the top 10 overall, and then you finished second in the league with, with Phil this year. And among, I think, I don't know who else was in that league. I think it was Posma in that league or was that your auction? Uh, no, that was my auction. Yeah, but that was, that was a tough league. How many, what's, what you said you, you did quite well in the main event over the years. Um, what uh, I had a good run. I think it was like, I'm not sure what years it was, maybe 13, 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there. I won three out of four years and I was only, only did one every year. And then a couple years ago, our team was quite, quite bad. Not as bad as the team in Vegas this year, but, um, with my co-manager, David Shout, and we said never again because it just kind of put a huge damper on the mm. on the experience of the season. Um, and then dabbled into the auction this year, and now I'm an absolute, absolutely hooked on the auction. Auctions so, are amazing. They're, they're yeah, I mean, get your guys. I mean, it's I've done the main event every year, and I would switch to – if I had to choose, I'd switch to auctions in a heartbeat. I had a, I had a quick auction question. Go ahead. Um, in – in the movie Taken, when they're at an auction for people, they can see the girls and what they're bidding on. Is is that the, the same case when you're bidding on the MLB players? Are they in the room with you? Can you see them, their physique, uh, you know, their tone, their muscle definition, things like that? Well, am I supposed to answer this? <laughs> yeah, 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 Eric, have you has that been the case in any of your uh, auctions? Not the auctions I've been in, but I okay. might be in a little different. Yeah, you might be going to some different circles. Or have friends that are in some different circles. Oh no, it's just, think, just, a, just a movie. Yeah, think, just a movie. Yeah, just a movie. Mm -hmm. I think what they call it is a circle jerk. And I do want to say earlier, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Zachary, you said the phrase significantly softer. Okay. And I would like to say that is exactly what Luna, uh, this Bjorn's ex-wife or uh, Lana or whatever. That's exactly what she said about him, significantly <laughs> softer. And that's when she went and meant uh, Dan Vagenbach. Dan Vogelbach? Excuse me. Yes. Yes, that man. I just didn't want to the, the guy that looks like me. Okay. Kind of like I'm bad. <laughs> Excuse me. All right. So just, just before, before we started talking about auctions in detail there, uh, I just wanted to uh, explain that the main events are quite competitive and I've done them the first, uh, the last three years now. And I, did, I, would, I didn't know what I was getting into in terms of how people don't give up and how competitive they are and how everyone in the league is just bidding on the players that you want and everyone knows everything. So mm -hmm. if you were to compare the main event to like a home league, which is tough to do because you don't have all that access to do like the home league that you, maybe you're accustomed to. Um, I don't have access to those details, but what I do have access to is the TGFBI, which is maybe the closest thing we can get to it. And it's also the same, same number of teams in the league. So it's a 15 team league. And um, uh, there was 31 of those this year and there's 47 main events. Um, the percentage of total fab spent in the main event, like I said, was 94.4%. The percentage of total fab in the TGFBI spent was 75.6%. Um, of the 705 teams in the main event, three didn't participate in fab at all. Is that surprising for you to hear? Three, the three teams that put ponied up $1,700 didn't even make a single fab move. Uh, yeah, something might have happened in their life. Who knows? Maybe. 
So that, that was half a percent. TGFBI 17 didn't. So that's almost 4%. And let me preface this by saying that I did look at the winner of the TGFBI, which is Michael Richards. Um, I think, um, as you know, from Seinfeld. Um, he, if you put it, if you put his stats in, if you just took the stats that he accumulated in the TGFBI into the main event uh, pool, he would have won the main event. So this, that's a point for the TGFBI. So if you think I'm shitting on it, that is a, I'm giving it a point for that because he would have won the main event. Granted, there's 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 competitive balance factors at play that I'm that I'm getting into. Then some that I won't touch on either. So the what teams about, that uh, George Costanza, how did George Costanza do? Did not participate. Um, so the teams that spent the full thousand dollar budget in the main event were 384. So all thousand dollars, which is 54 percent of it, 54 and a half percent. Only 24 percent spent it in TGFBI. So about half per on a per rata basis. Um, the ads per team, 48.5 ads per team in the main, 32.8 in TGFBI. This team's inactive through 13 weeks. So after 13 weeks, give up. Only 3% gave up after halfway through in the main event. A lot of money. 20% gave up after halfway in TGFBI. Percentage of total fab spent. We've been through this already. Um, now the overall winners. The overall winner of the main event and the second place uh, person, Steve and Bob, their league um, spent 90% of the fab. And they have one, I think they had one team that was sort of not spending too much of it. Maybe I think spent like 300. The overall winner of TGFBI, their, their league spent 64.3%. And the second place overall spent 58.8%. So only basically the guy that finished second overall in the TGFBI, his league only spent like barely half of the, the fab. And in that league, two people in that league didn't even participate in fab. So it was basically down to 13 players and seven of them spent under 50, uh, under 50% of their fab. So seven teams didn't even spend 500 bucks. Whereas you compare that to the main event where Bob and, and Steve won it, uh, everyone was participating and only one team spent less than $500. So that's, that's a huge difference. Um, the, the average ads per league. So in the main event, there is an average 728 ads where TGFBI is 491. So almost double, well, we've looked at that sort of figure already. Go ahead. How, how much money is the TGFBI? I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Rick, Bjorn, do you have any? Um, any I, you have to any forgive my ignorance because I don't know. When people talk about that league, I'd kind of zone out. Okay. Well, I had a, uh, a nephew who had worked there one summer. And from what I understand, he made $7.25 an hour. And I don't know if that jives with the data that Zach has. But, uh, you know, I mean, for making custard, I think it's a pretty good uh, good gig. Okay. Sounds good. So, think, yeah. Um, one, one reason people might join it is, from what I understand, there's an overall component uh, that you can sign up for after you've already drafted your team. So maybe you look around your league, you see who's going to be making fab bids, you see how your draft went, and then you decide if you want to put in some money for the uh, overall top prize. Yeah, no, and seriously, yeah, so that's how that's how it works. There's a side pot, so it's uh, it's free, yeah. and um, it's free, and then it's you definitely the oddest side pot I've ever heard of. You'd think you'd have to sign up for that beforehand, but uh, if you're smart, it seems like a competitive advantage to wait and see how the draft pulls. Yeah, so you can, you, you can draft your team and then you can wait and say, oh, well, Tatis is going to be um, out for half the year. So, you know what? I don't want to be in the side pot. 
and you don't sign up. So, or if you, uh, I don't know, if you drafted Kyle Wright and you're like, "Whoa, Kyle Wright's going to be in the rotation," I think I'll I'll sign up for the side spot. Um, spoiler alert: No one, no one drafted to Kyle Wright in that league. Zero. Um, so um, you got, I don't know, it's, it's different. It's a different, it's a different beast. Like you see Tommy Edmond being dropped for Kyle Farmer. Um, so the overall winner got Spencer. The, the overall winner of this thing got Spencer Strider, Nick Lodolo, two different times. Jesus Lazardo on his comeback, Baba Thompson. Guess what his combined backup bid for those players were? Like the runner, like for all those players that he added that I just listed, guess what the combined backup bids were? Eight. Four. <laughs> <laughs> backup bid. I mean, as far as I know, the wage is the wage. Yeah. So four dollars. So that's including Strider, Lodolo twice. Oh, Singer. I, I, Brady Singer, too. So Lodolo twice, Brady Singer, Lazardo, Bubba Thompson, and Spencer Strider combined backup bid $4. He also added Kirby, Felix Bautista, and, and Von Grissom. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not taking, I'm not trying to say this person's a bad player at all. I think that I, I believe that these, I believe these players are, would, would fare very well in a main event setting. And I think I almost know they would, but I'm just saying that it's, I, I don't think that, um, you win the main event doing this. Um, Rick, are, are you talking about uh, TCBY, the, the country's best yogurt? Well, yes. That's what we're talking about here. My nephew had a job there for a whole summer. Matter of fact, I actually, because of recent events, had to put in an application there. That's why I think it's so interesting we happen to be talking about it here on the podcast. Are you a cream fan, Zach? Or, excuse me, a yogurt fan? Yeah, I don't mind some yogurt. Are you? Well, yes. Um, you know. So another PCB. another another note that I have to say about about these leagues before we wrap it up, we got to give a shout out to Andy Barons who runs the FCT. He runs some. He runs the fantasy network, and um, he made moves in fourteen weeks. So he basically made moves in half the weeks. Um, he only made 24 moves in the whole year. He won his league and he finished 21st overall. So that is a really, really good feat. And you got guys like um, a, a good buddy, Matt Williams. He, he made some really good moves in, in his league. He added Tyler Anderson. And you, you know how Bobby Big Bucks, he added Tyler Anderson, Spencer Strider, Kyle Wright, and he won the main event. Matt Williams, he added Tyler Anderson, Spencer Strider, and to boot Jose Miranda by week seven. are some good pickups how did he finish oh he gave up after that he didn't make a single move and he finished in 11th oh so um well, I, I actually have a theory on that he might have been kidnapped i don't know because he stopped doing his podcast someone might have taken over his account all of a sudden he was into european uh soccer not not a restroom type thing but it was it was really strange. So I don't know, Zach, that he might not have given up with his own, you know, free will. If I ever see him, you know, blink twice if you're in trouble, Matt. Okay. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Wellness check on Matt Williams. We love you. Does he enjoy sprinkles on his custard? I don't. I don't know. So okay. let's let's go into the main event. We were enough of uh, the TGFBI, um, which is a great competition. Rick, um, if, if you get hired, don't dye your hair purple. Uh, I've been insulted before. Someone called me a purple-headed yogurt slinger. And if you get hired at a yogurt place, I don't want you to be called that either. A purple-headed... 
okay. I'm not sure I understand. All right, Eric, main event. You finish in second place in this league. Right. There's a league with, with um, Phil Dussault, good friend of the podcast. And I want to I want to ask you about fab management. Um, on yes. a, uh, let's get serious here. Um, I looked at the fab spent by week by all the different teams in the main event. Um, do you have any benchmarks that you want to be at at certain points, like say halfway through with four weeks left, et cetera? Not really. I'd like to have about 75 bucks with four or five weeks to go, you know, in order to make a, a bid if I need to. Um, it's more of a feel doing it for so many years. It's more of a feel thing. It's not something I have to be rigid with. Does it change um, year to year? It, it does. It depends on the league. It depends on, I mean, some years there might be three big free agents that make a splash. Some years there might be 12. So it all depends on year. Um, and obviously needs, you know, I was one of the Merriweather guys. So, so was um, I. yeah. And, and, and it was a perfect storm. Um, and, you know, we got a good, I think we got at least three pitches out of it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, you, you have those, you have to take the good with the bad, but I'm, I, I definitely don't have a rigid schedule now. Okay. Yeah. No, because, because I was looking at um, just the average and I, I excluded the outliers. So I excluded the um, teams that blew through their fab before like three weeks with remaining in the season and also excluded the teams that like didn't come close enough to spending all of their fab. And it looks like of those, like, I guess um, teams that sort of were in the middle and spent fab normally, quote unquote, you're looking at about $50 per week for the first half of the year. And then like $30 per week in the next like six or eight weeks. And then stretch run, you're looking at like, you only need 15 per week. And then the last one or two weeks, five bucks per week. So that's, that's what I, that's what I found in terms of like what, um, what you'd encounter last year. Um, right. But um, do you have a, do you have an approach to streaming or streaming your hitters or pitchers or um, yeah, talk about fab and release? Yeah, so streaming. I use. Do you even do that? Yeah, because so, some people don't. Uh, I, well, I I hope that my team is good enough that I don't have to. I think that streaming hitters is definitely becoming more important, and that's just due to the, the changing landscape of there being so many platoons. I mean, you know already. I'm sure you know better than me in these drafts so far. I mean, the outfield falls off a cliff, right? And it's because of all the platoons. So if you can get three, four guys, I mean, I own Jock Peterson and somebody else in the auction last year, and it was just maddening because you're like, you know, two out of four games, you knew he was going to play. Um, so then you have to, you have to look. Um, our mutual friend Dupont, we were, I guess you would call that Fab buddies this year. Endless texting back and forth, um, and he has taught me better how to do the streaming of the hitters. It's not something I spent as much time on. Um, he has got a rain man like dedication to it. So, um, so we, we uh, he's improved that and, and it did help out in a few spots. Uh, and then streaming pitchers um, don't like to do it, but I, you know, I like to stream with a possibility of having somebody, you know, like I hit gin on, on Springs this year. Um, you know, something like that. But, you know, most of the time that you do stream, uh, you can probably see some of the guys I picked up. It's a nightmare. Too much time. Uh, Zach? Uh, sorry. Yeah, we, sorry. Yeah, no. We, you... we couldn't hear you there. Rick is uh, messing up, it sounds like. 
Yes, Rick, uh, you're on thin ice, buddy. Um, yeah, it looks like I, well, I don't, I don't want to uh, forget to mention the Michael Harris ad 18 to one that you got him for. Yeah. That's, that, like a, that's like a TGFBI win. I know. I remember when that happened, uh, I would text Shalp and I text DuPont and I was like, how is there no runner up bit? It wasn't like he was under the radar. No. So, I mean, he was going for a lot more than that in most leagues. And so I just didn't get it. So I would, t- I, t- uh, I took the, the win and, uh, Ran with it. And then uh, I see like, not necessarily in your, main, in your main event, but you did get Braxton Garrett and Justin Steele in, in timely spots. Those guys were, were good for, for periods of time at least. But then right. I see, I'm looking at the main event that you did well in and what could have been because like you were like, what's like, what, like what's your mindset when you're adding a Braxton Garrett or Justin Steele? Because those guys were relatively unknown in the major leagues, uh, how relatively unknown in terms of how they would fare on your team heading mm-hmm. into the season, but you also had guys like Chris Bubik and Jansen Junk who fucked you up. Back. Yeah, that was my, yeah. Uh, I That was the one start and done, guys. Um, so Steele I knew pretty well because I'm a Cubs fan. Um, and Braxton Garrett was a research piece. But, um, you know, they, uh, I don't know, they, uh Again, that's why I don't like to stream is because of the, the, the junks of the world. Um, and I'm sure you can find other guys that could have had, it's all, it's all based on matchups. So right. junk had a good matchup that week. And I'm assuming that Bubik did too. And sometimes matchups go to shit. Yep. And that's why you don't want to stream. And I, I, I agree that's with right. that. Now this league, this league was a tough league as we've been alluding to you. You were in the thick of it all year, but I, I when I was looking at this team and I, and I dove deep into your teams and specifically this league, um last night um you were in seventh place with four and a half weeks left so four weeks plus that short uh three-day week right that's that's tough that's that's something that it's not easy to come back from and you also had 50 dollars left in fab that week you spent 45 dollars of the 50 dollars. so you spent 90 percent of your budget on smiley and corbin carroll yep week 23 you made a surge that week though you got it. You got a win from Smiley, and um, you had five wins that week. That week, and you had Glaber Torres, Schwarber, Michael Harris, Bobby Witt, um, help you out to an 18 home run and five stolen base week. Um, but what I want to talk about is um, the next week. You benched both of um, Drew Smiley and Corbin Carroll in week 24. Smiley got a win, and Corbin Carroll hit a home run. And you're desperately clawing and grinding to to win this league. So talk about that for a second before we move on to the rest of this comeback. Um, oh, I remember. So, yeah, I remember. Uh, I'll start with the Corbin Carroll. So, uh, it was, I believe, a lefty on Monday. It was a 9:40 start my time. Checked at not, you know, nine. Uh, Corbin Carroll was out. Cattell Marte was in. Their teammates. Okay, let's sit. Let's play Marte just for the short week. Um, I put my phone away and did something with my son come back at like nine families families are the worst for this family's the worst so (laughs) nine nine fifty uh i come back and i see a tweet Cattell Marte put on dl and then of course corbin harrell hits a bomb that night so that was a good day um and then the smiley was just based on matchups he was at the mets and i chose it was him versus erod at home versus the astros and at home versus Astros and White Sox. 
rolled the dice. I think he had a 590 that week, uh, no wins. Um, so that didn't work out. So, you know, I, it's funny because you pointed that out and I knew immediately what you were talking about because <laughs> I had discussions with Chow both weeks about what we should do um, and it didn't work. So onto the good news, then um, you had $5 left after that. You added one of your ads. Um, you spent, I think you spent, I think you added maybe four or five other players. One of them was Dylan Floro on the Marlins. And he got you six saves down the stretch. Uh, I, I looked. He was, a one, he was a $1 ad. And you were climbing with my good buddy, Phil Dassault. And he, not that he missed him. He, Phil added um, LeClerc and he added Joan Duran, who was getting, he was getting saves at that point. So. His ads, right. were, his ads were good, but he had, he did have the hammer and fab. So he, he was able to get who he wanted. He bought them both for $3 each. Then those were good ads, but Floro got you six saves down the stretch. And that was a difference that, that if you didn't get those six saves, you would have been, you actually passed two different players with those saves and you would have been at least in third place instead of second place in that league. So that, that $1 fab ad was over $1,700 of real money for you. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes it works out like that. He also got the save on the last inning in the auction to time. I was in the lead for the last maybe four weeks. And then I got passed, you know, with three innings to go in the season. <laughs> and then, uh, nice. and then Floro got the save on the last game of the week, other than the Sunday night game. Uh, so Floro was my, was my hero and in, in multiple leagues there. So that was a, that was a good slash lucky ad. Nice. All right. I can be a hero, baby. Oops, oh, excuse me. I love. Oh, no, no. Carry on. I love when Rick sings. Everyone, everyone's been saying we need more Rick singing on these podcasts. That was, was a song by. Uh, yes, that was a song by Enrico Pla or um, Iglesias. Okay. Thank you. So, uh, before we move on to the draft champions portion of this uh, conversation. I understand that you have a dog pound segment, Rick. Yes, I do. Yes. Uh, I guess I got to get the music uh, uh, queued up here. So I need somebody to talk for a moment. I didn't know we were getting to this quite yet. So uh... um, I can talk quickly, actually. Uh, no. This is going to be just my doctor segment of the week. This is to a friend and listener of the podcast, uh, Richard Sands. And Richard, I saw your concern with the podcast. You like the legit stuff, real content, no joking around with voices. So lay back on my doctor's couch and let Dr. Masterson inside of you. Richard, what? I understand not liking my voices, uh, my voice, excuse me. I don't like the sound of my own voice. I actually listened to the Draft Champions podcast on one speed in one of, instead of 1.5. So that should help with the voices issue. Um, much better voices out there. Um, Derek Van Riper or Chris Clegg. I hope they could one day, you know, read my eulogy. But speaking to your legit stuff, real content, you know, if you've ever listened to the Fantrax tool shed, which I love, Chris Clegg and his beautiful baritone voice talks about Manscaped, the product for, you know, several minutes each podcast. You know, I don't know who the listeners are of that podcast, if they're werewolves or porn stars, but it talks about ball deodorant, a trimmer with an LED light, a travel bag. Whose nuts are so hairy that they're taking a travel bag with them on vacation? 
that if that's the real content you want, I'm going to talk about my balls every single podcast. Let's get crazy. <laughs> or for other real content, we could recap first base. We could recap second base. I actually do really like that content on Fantrax, CBS, Turn 2. I enjoy them all, but I couldn't do it anymore. So then I listened to Draft Champions, and I like that. You know, there's something for everyone. And Richard, thanks for listening. Uh, this has been Dr. Masterson inside of you. Hey, Dr. Masterson, like, um, did you go to, did you go to med school? You said last time, last episode, you said you went to med school with um, Dr. Jesse Morris. Where did you go to med school? Because um, our buddy here, Eric's from Ohio. I wonder if there's a med school in Ohio where Dave went to, Dr. Dave. Did you go to med school with him too? Mostly what? online courses. I haven't seen uh, Dr. Dave McDonald uh, in any of the courses though, but that's a great question. And I hope I see him at some of the symposiums. Um, again, Richard, I understand not wanting to hear my voice, certainly at 1.5 speed, go down to 1.0, keep listening. And I noticed that you like golf in your profile and I don't have clubs, but if I can get one of your woods in my hand, let's, let's just play around. All right. Oh any, any, God. any, any insight on who like might've like had the best, like, uh, test scores between uh, Jesse, Dave, and yourself in meds in like the online courses. Who was a, who was a, who was the top of the class? Or was it probably, I, or was it uh, was Nick Savali in those classes too? Yeah, but we, they weren't like publicly posted test results. But we all got um, our certificates. Uh, they handed them out with our juice boxes and our applesauce and stuff at the end of the day, and you know, virtually of course. And um, you know, it was just just a bunch of guys and girls having a great time great okay um juice is, box what is that, does that mean rick is ready for his segment yet yeah all right gentlemen i just want to interject here this is a voice that you may have remembered uh in a different way this is lou bobbles worth pound stone <laughs> And I, I wanted to come on the podcast right now. I, I, I moved uh, Rick aside. And I, I wanted to come on here and let you know that I am back. Tweet, tweet. And that um, <laughs> I've got a few things that I want to go over here. Uh, this is technically the dog pound, but it is also uh, my chance to make a public appearance and say that I find the current state of this world fascinating, although dangerous. Much will have to change, and I am looking deep within to ignite that change, okay? I want to let you know that when a man looks in the mirror at the end of the day, he's left with a question. Ka, ka, did I accomplish my goals today? Ah, well, my goals are extreme in nature, but that will not deter me from executing them. And finally, they say the greatest man has lived multiple lives. When I reflect on my travels, I find that I have lived what seems to be like infinite lives. Coo, coo. The experiences I've gathered will assist in implementing the final objective. This has been the dog pound. Oh, that was different. What? What? Boys, I did not want that to happen. Uh, this is Rick Poundstone. I did not want Lou. 
Okay, so ever since Birdseed has uh, been back, Lou is different. That's all I've got to say. I don't know if you saw any of his tweets today, um, but that was basically him reading the tweets. And I, I know you don't want me to talk about it, but I told you not to say that on the air. Okay, I, <laughs> I told you you don't don't do it again. Ow! Don't do it again. Ouch! Okay, I gotta. I gotta. I gotta go, boys. I, I carry on. All right. Um. Okay. Draft champions leagues. <clears throat> you got. Uh. Like I said, you got three top hundred finishes. Oh, two, three top hundred finishes last year in the overall competition era. Yeah. Um. Your best, your best one was the four hundred dollar uh, draft champion. Do you, any, you notice any difference in the one that four hundred versus the one hundred and fifties? Uh, well, better players, I think. I mean, yeah, at least I've, the one I was in, because I had, a, I think that was a Vlad invite, uh, and it was like something like nine, ten, ten at night, and I was like, ah, screw it. So uh, I, that's the only one. Yeah, like you said, the only one I did. So just got a bunch of guys. You know how it works. Sometimes it works. Sometimes. Uh, Sometimes you drill it, sometimes you don't. But I, I, I like that draft right afterwards, and it ended up ended up competing, top, you know, top thirty all year. Nice. Oh, before I forget, you know, I had this on the top. I had this on the top of the agenda. Mm -hmm. War Dog says we need to invite you to our dinner in Vegas. Okay. Are you in? Yeah. On, I'm on, in. on Thursday, night, Thursday, Thursday night. On Thursday night, yeah. So, uh, Shalp usually can't get in until Friday, so that that'd be great. Okay. Eric, he might have been inviting me. Or were you inviting Eric? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. You you know what? Fuck it. Bjorn, you're invited too. I uh I, I'd be glad to accept an invite into this. This is Lou Bob. I would be glad to accept an invite into this league, gentlemen. Actually, I'll I will invite Rupert. I would love Rupert to join us too. I don't know, I don't know who that is. But um, people seem to associate him with this podcast, and um, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know who he is, where he's from, what he's doing. But he's invited. Rupert's invited to Vegas, and he's invited on this podcast anytime he wishes. I, you know, when I, he travels, go ahead. I've met Rupert in real life, and I can say that he indeed is that old man in his profile picture. Uh -huh. But I do not believe that he runs his own Twitter account. I believe it might be run by a man called. Uh, John Fishman, because there'll sometimes be rap information on there, you know, this rap music, which I know Fish loves. And I meant actually, uh, Fish, if you're listening to this, I heard that uh, a rapper was killed down in Houston, Migos, uh, from the rap group Takeoff. And I feel terrible about that. Um, it was over a dice game. I know Rick has like sex dice, but I don't even know what. What, what do these rappers dice have on them? Like you roll a one and you collaborate a hit song and you roll a four and you kill a guy. That's a crazy dice game. All right. Yeah. Mine I'll invite basically you just say, mine basically just say lick ear or something. And then you, you know, you perform the act on the, uh, the willing participant who used to be, you know, one of them used to be my friend Lou, but not really anymore. Okay. I just want to say, uh, in my travels, this Rupert gentleman, I find him to be a diplomatic man. And uh, yeah, I, I would okay him being in the league. Gah, gah. Oh, um, good, good, good. So our, our DC 
Eric, we're, we're in that right. We're in the, we're in whatever round 10, 11, 12 right now. Um, yeah. Last pick of 11. Yep. Now I, I love these leagues, but um, it's a, it's a balance between finding those early values and there's tons of it versus like constructing your team. So um, first of all, first question, do you see any of those early values in this draft? Because I think it's obvious there are some. Yeah. So this, again, this is my first go at it. Um, so I thought the, just from first look, I thought a little self-serving, but I took William Contreras in late 10 and I, I like him above quite a few of the catchers that went in front of him. Um, let's see values. I was or thinking bad, more or bad of, values. Yeah. It's just, it's just, um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a lot of an exercise of knowing the market. Um, right. Yeah. As a first draft things that surprised me, um, I think glass now goes a lot earlier than I would take him. I'm a big believer in innings throw thrown the year before. So, you know, when a guy had six, it doesn't really resonate for sixth round for me. Right. Um, you know, now main event time, he's throwing great, but what are you going to get out of him? You know, 80 innings in the sixth round. So that's not me. Um, who was the other one I had? What about Iglesias, Rice Iglesias in the end of the six? Like, yeah, I'm not taking him now. You got to, I got to see where he lands. Well, he's, he's in, he's, in, you mean you see who else lands there, right? Yeah. Who else lands there? You got to see if yeah. he's actually going to be a closer. Yeah. I think that's too, it's too early there for, for me. I, I was trying yeah. to keep that. Now, yeah. I mean, they're just gambling. I mean, but I, I get it. Uh, I do a lot of gambles. Um, I didn't gamble a lot in this one other than Harris, but do, do a lot of gambles early as well just because I don't think know, Harris was such a gamble like that's where he's going you got him at the end of the, the end of the second that's maybe a bit earlier than his ADP I'm not sure but I've seen him go at the beginning of the second um yeah I just Cabrian Cabrian Hayes, Cabrian Hayes, Hayes, just thin man it is outfield is everyone talks about uh second base or, or short or first third outfield maybe the worst in terms of like from like my personal preferences and how I draft. Yeah, exactly. Corner, uh, corner is not, corner is not thin whatsoever. I think, I, don't it, think. I, I think it kind of is. Maybe I like, maybe I like some late corner, corner guys more, yeah. but I, so we'll a lot see, of times we'll, we'll see, see how late they, see how late they go. Like they might go sooner than you think. Yeah, you're right. I don't have a first baseman yet. So uh, sometimes the strategy of quantity over quality on first base works though. So you grab three or four of those mid-tier and then mm. just try to try to drill one. And I, I, I do that on quite a few of them. I'll pick a position and just hit it with quantity later. But, um, you know, so we have this conversation three months from now and I'd have a much better answer for you. Looking at like some of these uh, players that stick out to me, um, to Brian Hayes in a not good way and the mid, yeah, mid, no eight, chance. mid eighth over like you're taking a Brian Hayes three rounds ahead of Chapman and Suarez. Um, Josh Rojas is another guy. Like, no way am I taking him at this, at that stage. Um, even Springs, you said you, you loved him last year, but mid eighth for Springs. Yeah. No chance. That's a pass for me here. Yes. Yeah, Springs over uh, Kirby, Hunter Green, Cortez. No chance. No, no fucking way. Um, what else here? Um I thought the the pitching falls, like there is a bunch of pitchers that just fell like way too far. Like, for yep. example, Logan Gilbert, he's got no business being in the ninth round. Yeah, I would have taken him in the ninth. Um, I, I was hoping, I was praying that 
Kirby or Gilbert made it to me in late eight and both were there. Yeah. And then went Torres in nine. And just because uh, I already had Freed, McKenzie and Kirby, I didn't want, I didn't want another one. So, but yeah, you know that I'm a, I'm a Gilbert fan. So. Yeah. Um, early in these drafts, I, like you, like you alluded to it, like outfield just so outfield just sucks, man. Um, I, I'm taking guys that I don't really even like in round tens and 10 and 11, because I didn't, if you just, if you just, if you just, if you miss on the outfield, it puts you in a really bad spot. Like after round eight, I, I find because you're, yeah, I thought your, I thought your picks in 10 and 11 were perfect. So there um, I had Castellanos at the top of my list. You took him. And then um, I took Stan in 11, which is probably the second or third time I've ever drafted him in a decade. <laughs> um, so, and then a uh, half was my backup option for him. So you were, you were right on it. Hopefully. Um, yeah. It's just really tough because it, like, I feel like hitting, like, I felt like a lot of the pitching fell because you're, you're just like a, a lot of similar guys, like round six through even nine in this draft and everyone, and the, the hitting was getting pushed up for good reason, because it does get, it does get shallow at the, especially in outfield. And I think second base gets shallow. I think third base is shallow. Um, yep. Maybe not so much first base, but third base definitely. Um, first, I think first base is too, to be honest. That's why, that's why I took Walker in round nine because right. um, I, I don't think he should be going that early. But um, if I if if I didn't get him, like I think he should probably go in ten in ten or eleven. But if I waited and I, I miss on him, like where does that leave me? Um, it's a lot of yeah. Um, I, I get it. I again, the player pool is not my you know being the first draft. Not sure yet. Just kind of looking ahead and saying, okay, there's a handful of guys I like, so let me move on to another position. That's kind of where I'm at now. That's good. Um, so my, 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 I guess my question that I was circling way too long to ask, to ask here is that given uh, how given how scarce the hitters are, can you afford to take a second closer in the first say ten rounds? Not not in early drafts. I don't think so. I don't think I, you, you have the same strategy as me. Get one, get one, and then sprinkle them in later because the odds of you getting a second or third closer later in the DCs is extremely higher in early drafts. Oh, that makes sense. So once, once the, once the positions get more nailed down and you're doing a DC in late February, you're going to have, you know, you're going to be having guys go 15 rounds higher than you could get them in this draft. So I like to get one guy and then, I mean, you, and you might even get four points just from your one guy. Right. I mean, I, in some I, think, I think, I think more than four. For yeah. The guys, even, the guys yeah. that we took, I right. think that's like, because including their ratios and I think that's like almost a seven point guy. Yeah. It's going to be, sh- it's going to be shocking how many drafts I don't take a starter until five or later. It's pr- it might be a hundred percent. Yeah. That, that I can see it every, every time that I do these DCs, this is like my seventh down. Like, why did I, why did I take a starter here? Right. Just looking back in the third round, I took a starter in the third round. I thought it was pretty good value relative to the other draft to take that starter. And I didn't love any of the hit. It would be a reach relative to ADP to take any of the hitters that I liked there. So Mm -hmm. it's sort of a tough, like, um, it's a tough um, place to be in, in the third round. Yeah. Yeah, the one the one downside of being the third three hole, I thought, 
was I wanted a closer. And so I had to take one a little early, but yeah. I knew that that whole group and Romano almost made it back in four, but I knew there was no chance of any of those guys coming back. So I just went ahead and Liam Hendricks's ADP was way too low. I don't, I, I, maybe there's something that I don't know, maybe because he's almost 34. I don't know, but I thought, I think he'll be rising on the ADP here soon. Um, and you have to take the ADP with a grain of salt because it could seriously just be 35 dudes doing the first, the same, doing the first eight, right? Yeah, so. it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, it's very ancestral and it's very, it's small sample size. And like you, you got Devin Williams, Williams going in the third round in this draft. Right. You got Devin Williams going you know, ahead of. You say ancestral. Uh, right. I just wanted to say that I do take offense to that because I do hail from an area in which there is what you'd call incestual behavior, but we don't frown upon that here. And I'd like it, Zachary, if you take that back and maybe just say that, no, there's nothing wrong with a little incest. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with anything that anyone did in this draft. Okay. Or any of the drafts. I'll, I'll um, double down there. Right. Right. Great. So, Eric, you got any clear fades at the moment? Uh, glass now for sure. Um, probably the guys we all covered from where they're getting drafted doesn't mean I'd take them later, but does Hayes usually go in eight? No. Or is that early? That's, that's way early. Okay. I actually, I'm like my last pick, I was actually like considering like looking at him and I did, I did like when I was, when I took Ian Happ in the 11th round. I'm looking at the ADP. I'm like, oh, should I like Brian Hayes? Like, I might take my corner infielder. I never even thought he was like off the board yet. And then I, right. then I okay, that's coach. what I figured. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't have a huge fade list yet. Um, again, I guess you could say all starters in the first three rounds would be my fade right now. Um, but man, look, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. Look where they went in our draft. Aaron yeah. Nola went end of four, and Zach Wheeler went five point two. Yeah, if I was there in four, and Nola was there, I 100 percent would have taken him. So I guess I shouldn't say I wouldn't take one, but they'd have to fall like that, like that. Right. And I'm going to have a lot of two and three outfielders in the first five, six picks a lot this year as well. Yeah. Like um, I agree with you. I think getting an outfielder is um, beneficial in those first like two or three rounds, but I was at a point where like Bobby Witt and Tatis were there for me. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not like those guys, like, they are like, I'm still going to take those guys over my position preferences. No, hundred percent. I, I think that, and your team's a little more geared for winning the whole dang thing. Mine's more of a league winning, trying to win the league. I think yours is more of a trying to win the whole darn thing. So, um, you know, when you have that Tatis Bobby Witt combo, I mean, that could be absolutely, and then story in middle to late five, that's, you know, that could just be huge. Yeah. So, it's, it's a, it's not a safe, it's not a safe of a draft and that's, that's been my like uh, that's been one of my Achilles heels in the NFBC is I'm a little bit more of a risk taker and, and draft for upside rather than a, than a guy that, that drafts boring right. and smart. I gotta I gotta get better at that. But one guy that I that I do want to ask you about is Framber Valdez. We talked about him. We were texting about him as as uh, he did get taken off the board in the round seven. Talking yep. to my buddy Fish. And Fish is Fish is saying to me, he's like, ah oh, man, I can't do I can't do Valdez this year. It's like the whip, the shift. Like, does right. that scare you at all? Um, no, I mean, I did choose McKenzie over him. Um, 
I would have, he was my backup pick for that, for that pick. And uh, I will have him, but it'll probably have to be at or later than ADP. I'm just taking all your sloppy seconds this draft, huh? <laughs> well, it's just because yeah. of the way that, you know, you're going to, well, you've got me going the other way too. Yeah. So, fair enough. Um, it, it, sloppy it, it, seconds it, it, and going the other way. <laughs> A couple of interesting yeah. takes there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Zach talked about position preferences too. Do you have any position preferences for this upcoming baseball season, Rick? Any, first off, I don't appreciate direct questions from you to me. You can go ahead and pass them through a damn uh, translator. But second off, favorite position? Well, I, I you know, I uh, quit looking at me like that. I told you to stop. Okay, I. <laughs> bitch okay boys i i'm hurting i don't oh man i <laughs> Okay, are you okay there, Rick? Because we don't want anything to happen. We don't want any violence to occur. That's that's not what we're trying to promote, promote here. Um, we hope we hope everyone's okay there. I don't know, but I, I don't know if I can. God damn, son. Oh. It, Lubub go ahead, like, Jim. Jim, Lubub, go ahead. Lubub sounds like a Decepticon or something. Um, all right. Looking at your teams last year, like um, shifting gears from our, our draft that's going on right now to last year's drafts that right. we did. Um, I don't know if there's going to be any like glaring changes to your overall strategy, but just looking at your your um, ownership percentage, you don't, you focused a lot, like you said, on on pitching. Um, and you and you and you said to me that um, you do a lot of work on pitching for these DCs. And to um, right. and I'm going to ask you like what you do for your for to just uh, to to look at pitching. Grayson Rodriguez was on eight of your 10 teams last year. Like it didn't come, he got hurt. Um, I had a couple yeah. of him too. And he was, he, I thought, I thought he was a great price. Um, T-Mac, Tristan McKenzie, seven of 10 teams in the early uh, 200s. Um, I remember you and I and Phil were talking in Vegas about uh, McKenzie before, before we picked and, and you, you were all right. over him. So, um, and you had to like, just to maybe just finish off the thought, Logan Gilbert, um, John Gray, R Ryan Nelson, which was just like a, out of nowhere type of pick. Um, that was, I think that was the only guy that took Ryan Nelson all off season. I took him. What's that? I took him in, I took him in a DC too. Oh, did you? Well, yep. he wasn't even in the player pool and uh, and he was going to start the next week. And I had to, I had to email Derek and say, Hey man, can you actually put him on a team? Cause he oh, was shit. listed as free agent. So, I thought I, I thought I took him in a DC. I gotta, I gotta look at that. But um, so what, what, what do you, what do you, um, what, what sort of things do you look at when you, when you're assessing starting pitcher? Because you did a really good job. Yeah, thanks. I'm I'm trying to get my I'm trying to get guys that are about to about to be, you know, in the fifth, ninth round the following year, who are not there yet, who haven't had that season yet, who are have the stuff and get a basket of those guys. Um, I also like guys that have shined in periods before so you had you saw that i think what was it seven week period mckenzie the year before yeah. where he was like top three pitcher in baseball but he when you look at his numbers so, he was like maybe yeah. that little that run 
Yeah, exactly. So you're looking at, so I'm like, okay, he can do that. And I know what his stuff does. Um, and he's in a good division. I know that's going to be lessened a little bit this year, but in a good division, I mean, he got to play the Tigers and Royals how many times, and then you get, um, you know, and the age and the innings that he pitched the year before. So it's kind of a mathematical thing. And then I watch a ton of baseball, three, three TVs going on all the time. And, and, you know, just watching guys. And I have a few guys later that um, you'll probably see me draft in our current draft that, um, that we can talk about on text, but that, that, you know, just from watching them and the pedigree that, Hey, they, they have a chance to take that next step. So I think this is the first year ever that I've have the same, I'm on a lot of the same exact guys as the year before, you know, adding a few more. So it's, um, it's kind of a weird thing where, I mean, that's just because I drilled quite a bit of them, but I think it was, I think it was a, uh, it's kind of a weird thing where I'm not resetting anything. I'm kind of going after the same guys. So kind of, I don't know, but. I have a question for you. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask it over text because I don't want to put it on the podcast about one, one of those okay. players, but um, that, ha- that hasn't been drafted yet, but you know what? I'm not going to ask that right now. Um, okay. Let's talk about the auction. You did, you did, um, you did an, an auction in Vegas. What are your takeaways from that? I loved it. It's the first one I've ever done. So Shalp and I did that had really no, the only thing I knew is that it was like seven dudes I wanted. And you're that, you're that guys, there's seven dudes you wanted. Seven dudes I wanted and in Vegas <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it worked out. It worked out well. I would typically comment, but I have leering eyes staring at me right now. <laughs> that's I, fair. That's, that's no, no worries, man. I tell you to say. <laughs> me. So I, it was a great experience. Um, had to draft with a absolute stacked room. So um, as, as any auction in, in Vegas is going to be, but, you know, I was the leader of in dollar days. And I also was the last person to take a picture. So, um, went that route and, uh, almost won it tied for the win, but, uh, but you got your guys. I noticed that, like, that? the same guys that you, that were heavily populated, your, your player ownership percentage shares, whatever on in your DC right. teams. Those, you, you got Gilbert, you got T-Mac, you got John Gray, all in that auction. So Manoa. Was, was Manoa also one of your guys? Uh, well, so the DCs historically have taken early in the year, so November, December, and then I kind of pivot to cut line, and then I come back and do usually like I did the 400 this year to get right. back in that mode because there's a huge difference between cut line and, and draft champions. Right. Um, but Manoa is a guy maybe I got on a little bit later, and then I really, I really put down the hammer – hammer on drafting him but that was the one guy i wanted to lead uh to lead my other guy that i got was uh trevor rogers and that was not great <laughs> no that was a tough one um looking at that look at this draft um like what, you did get the pictures you wanted you got your guys so did you make sure did you wait to nominate them it looks like maybe you did like i know posma yep. posma talking to him in vegas he was also big on john gray so was there a bit okay. more for him do you remember, do you it was not our bidding war. Our bidding war was for uh, Hauk from oh. Boston, which didn't even work out. I think I got gray. I can't really remember. I think I got gray for maybe eight bucks. Yeah. The Gilbert was the Gilbert was the guy I had to have. It didn't matter how high it went. So I think I got him at 14 or 15. 
which was pretty high for him, I think. I think his average auction value maybe was 12 at the time. Right. You did a, you did, you did a, you did a good job in Fab in, in this auction, in this, in this draft or the auction um, afterwards because you did, you did well in Fab in the other main events, but I think you did an even better job here. You got you Fab over 62 stolen bases off waivers. Birdie, McCarthy, Thompson. Um, yep. And among others, it got you 62 stolen bases. That's um, like, without that, you don't tie for first place. Like, right. You needed to get not just one of them, but multiple of those guys. So is that a sustainable strategy, needing that many a- stolen bases? <laughs> um, Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was just a perfect storm. Uh, kind of got lucky in a few spots, but a birdie was somebody that I, um, I really went after uh, in, in, a, in a couple leagues. Um, but, uh, anyway, sounds like we have a show coming. We got, we got, we got a, yeah, we got a show coming here at Jeopardy, but do you want to, while I set Jeopardy up, do you want to talk about the cut line at all? You finished third overall. I don't want to, I don't want to. Uh, yeah. Cut wanna line if, over that. No. Yeah. I know it's not the, I know it's not the focus of your show. Uh, yeah, it's a cut line's awesome. Um, I do 18 teams a year, uh, fabs twice a year. Um, the player pool is different. You don't want to take injured guys. You want to guys like Merrill Kelly. I mean, obviously he had a great year, but guys like Merrill Kelly and guys that throw 190 innings uh, are more important. Um, and, and it has a sweat down to 20 teams. And I got in there and finished third and uh, it was awesome. So I, for my DCs and my cut lines, I have uh, one of my buddies has a per, uh, percentage um, just so he can help me out with, with, uh, with setting lineups and stuff. If I'm doing something, his name's Mike Cunningham, AKA Miguel. And uh, yeah. And so we had that sweat together. I like doing, like doing drafts with other guys too. That way, that way you can sweat, you know, sweat and have fun. Sweat and have fun together with other dudes. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Sweat and have fun. Yep. Just not in Vegas. All right. So we got Jeopardy here. I don't know if you can see your screen. You can buzz in through the chat um, or just put your hand up if you want, if you know the answer, there's only three categories tonight. Um, try to wrap this up in the next Turn 20 minutes. All right. Well, blue, blue Bob can play too. Thank you, gentlemen. Yes, I will be involved in this tonight. Let's go ahead and start Jeopardy. Okay. So we're going to give control of the board to our, our guest, which is Eric Albright. Thank you. And our, our cat, our categories are, uh, the, uh, verification of NBC sports edge writers on Twitter. Um, <laughs> FPA, which is first, first pitch, Arizona. And then WNBA players. Oh gosh! So I'll, we'll I'll do the the NBC Sports Edge, I guess, for five hundred. Okay, so this is a verification of NBC Sports Edge writers. So basically, what this is, this is a waste of eight dollars. Um, and, and and more specifically, this, these are players with an average uh, auction value of eight dollars last year that were a waste. Okay. So for five hundred dollars. This afterthought of a pitcher this year was drafted as his team's SP2 for $8 on average last year, but lost control of a rotation spot despite a 4.22 XFIP. It's kind of a tough one. It is SP2. Gentlemen, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, uh, I'm going to say Michael Kopak from the Chicago White Sox. Lou Bob, you're, is- you're, you're incorrect. That's going to be negative Ka, 500. Negative 500 for Lou Bob. LB. Why didn't you know the answer to that? <laughs> Lost rotation spot. He was drafted as their SP2, the second pitcher off the board from that team, I believe. 
unless I'm screwing that up. I don't know, but I think I think the question stands. Okay. I think you you were a big fan of the SP one, Eric. I was. Um, I think you still are. The Guardians. Well, looking for a Did player. Did he play for no. Toronto? No. Mariners. This is a player we're looking for, and none of their teams are right either. We're looking for a player. <laughs> we're looking for a player's name. Uh, I really like that. We're just asking for some hints. All right. Well, yeah, the, the hints are that those those teams are not correct. Uh, Ryan Nolan. That <laughs> <Did> I fucking. <laughs> I don't know, Zach. How about yeah. the Atlanta Braves? Who? Okay. Who's their SP? Who is their SP too? Oh man! Lost a rotation spot. Lost control of his rotation spot. Four point two two x fit. Yeah. I'll give it to something. you. I'll give it to something you. Something I should know. What do you? Okay. So follow up question for this. Uh, now that you won this, you won this category, Eric. What do you think about Ian Anderson heading into next, heading into this year at like pick like five fifty? Or five hundred, well, wherever, wherever. Haven't got there yet, but yeah, if guys have done it before, I'm always going to be interested for that late. All right, good enough. All right, you got control of the board since you um, flawlessly answered that question. Yeah, yeah, you can give me half on that one. Uh, let's do uh, NBC for a thousand. Okay, this is um, verification of NBC Sports Edge writers. So this is a waste of eight dollars. Um, eight dollar players last year. For a thousand, this player didn't play much or hit any home runs, but for those who had at least a thousand plate appearances, he had a top 10 walk to K ratio, even ahead of J Ram. Say it one more time. So, no home runs last year, at least a hundred plate appearances, and a top 10 walk to K rate. Gentlemen, this is Lou Bob. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Stephen Kwan from the Cleveland Guardians. It's incorrect, uh, Lou Bob. Miles Straw. He didn't get it right. Nope. Eric, negative a thousand. Mm. Bjorn, you've been quiet. Bjorn, I find you to be a uh, an interesting young gentleman, and I think that the insights that you've provided on the podcast tonight have been very interesting. All right, I'll give you the answer. Yeah, I don't want to know the answer is austin meadows oh the forgotten man yeah he basically is so uh, he's just he seems like a big risk to take um with his mental health issues the the heel the the park um i didn't know he had that many plate appearances that's he did last year no home home runs though i think he he might have had almost 150 um, pretty easy to get a mental health issue when you go to the detroit tigers (laughs) oh I wouldn't have got that I one. Any any thoughts on Meadows? Is he someone like him and Conforto? There's a lot of like outfield. Outfield seems thin because all these players that were going in this range last year just uh, underperformed. Meadows, Conforto didn't play. Loriano um, lost year. Um, yeah, a certain price. I'm absolutely in. All right, fair enough. So you still got control of the board here. You got um, first pitch Arizona and WNBA players left over. All right, first pitch five hundred. First pitch 500. Okay, so um, these are venues where you find poor fantasy performers. 
venues. Okay. So, yeah. So for 500, this top 180p player last year hit only 220 at home with seven home runs in this poor hitting venue. And he's going much later this year. Zach, could Baltimore? you say that one more time? Oh, go ahead to the guest. I was going to say Baltimore. No, but we're looking for a player, but that's not the that's not the that's not the stadium. Looking at okay. trying to cheat again. All right. Well, mm-hmm. cheating, cheating's trying. Lou Bob, were you going to ask a question? I was going to see if you can repeat the question. I think oh. I have a guess. Okay, this top 180p player last year hit only 220 at home with seven home runs this year in this bad hitting, bad stadium for hitters. Hmm. You know, Zach, you're really good at these categories. I find it uh, very entertaining. Thanks, Lou. Okay. I, what did I tell you? Anyone? Brandon Belt. Good guess, Bjorn, but you're wrong. It's negative 500. The answer is Javier Baez. Oh, no, that hurts. Yeah? Uh, being a Cub fan, that hurts because he had a bad year. Not well, on our team. Not, not for the Cubs, though. So. Well, yeah, I know, but still See, love like, still love the man. What, what do you think about him there this year? Like he's, I think he kind of – I got the feeling he had played hurt last year. Yeah, well, he, he I mean, he lowered his strike – his uh, K rate, right? Surprisingly, I think I think you're right. Um, so there, there's always going to be a time for him because, as you know, he can have a month where he goes absolutely bonkers. Hopefully, he still has that in him. He's not he's not as old. He's not very old. Nope. All right. Uh, do you want to take? I'll be uh, in at a certain a certain level for sure. Yeah, he went early in our draft. I think. I think he went like earliest I've seen him. Yeah, yeah. like what? I think he went way early. Yeah. Like rounds ahead of his earliest pick ever yeah. so far yep yeah definitely you want to finish off this category first pitch sure all right so these are venues where you find poor fantasy performance um this player the for a thousand this player was one of only two players he joined cj crone as the other player to make outs with hits over 410 feet this year this player did it at his former home park as a visitor both times so this guy had two hits over 410 feet for outs in the same park as a visitor, which used to be his home park. And he's the only, we want of only two players to have multiple hits that far that went as outs. Okay. I just want to take this opportunity while my counterpart is out of the room to say vote Wizard Oz in uh, Pennsylvania. The election is coming up next week. We have a red wave on the way. And uh, that uh, Jason uh, Fruman, the man that he is against, has no idea what he's doing. And uh, vote for the Wizard of Oz next week. Okay. What in the fuck were you just doing? Did I not tell you to get in the hole? (laughs) Did um, you have any um, voting advice for Ohio? Ohio? I don't know anything about Ohio. Okay. All right. So where I were we? We're, I think we're good over here in Ohio. I, my guess is that it's a, San, oh, a former San Francisco Giant, but I can't think of it. It's um, well, it's actually a former Kansas City Royal. Oh. That park, it's not that good. Bobby Witt has had one of these hits. 
Bobby, Bobby Witt had a couple, Bobby Witt, I think had four hits over four batted balls over 400 feet that were turned into outs. Uh, uh, the guy, it's oh. what we're moving, mo- we're moving to it. Uh, solar power. No, that's oh, it. That's okay. a good guess, but no. Very bright young man. You are Bjorn. Ben, att- ben attendee. The answer is Eric Hosmer. Ah, on the Padres as a visitor. Hmm. All right. Last category. Who wants it? Eric, you got control of 500 or 1,000. I will. uh, I'll go ahead and take WNBA players for 500, please, uh, uh, Zach. Okay. WNBA players. So these are overpaid players. These are players that are overpaid. So. For 500. Going into his final year of a terrible contract, this douchebag struck out 44% of the time in the playoffs this year. Josh Donaldson? Yes. Bingo. Got it. We'll get what gave it away the douchebag or the 44%? Douchebag. Okay. Got it. You got control of the board. There's only one category left here. All right. Thousands. WNBA players for a thousand. Again, these are overpaid players. This douchebag had it has an elite max exit velo and barrel ability, but he's not even a full time player anymore, despite hitting twenty three homers. Let me think here. Uh, hmm. Gentlemen, I'm going to go ahead and pipe it. Well, he's not getting paid highly. Let me think here. Hmm. Ka, ka. Oh, man. I, I you say not full time at bats? What'd you yeah, say? Yeah, well, he stopped getting them. Oh, Jock Peterson? Would you, would you guess or right, looks like Zach has left. Uh, Jock itch? No. Nope. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess Jock Peterson. Okay. Nope. That's uh, incorrect. No, please think, stay away. Um, think uh, big douchebags. Like almost Trevor Bauer. Almost like that. Yeah, I don't know why I'm... Uh... Think uh, Braves. Uh, Marcelo Zuna. I'm oh, oh Zuna, yeah. Bobby got it. There you go. Yes, and I find it peculiar, gentlemen, that uh, Trevor Bauer is looked at as a much worse man uh, than Marcelo Zuna and some of his uh, indiscrepancies uh, there. And I, I, I'm going to be publishing a blog entry on that here uh, in the coming days. So that's it. I think um, we have a winner. I just want you to understand that. Ah! guys you gotta you gotta you guys you guys gotta be nice to each other okay i don't understand why you guys are are fighting loot oh they're they're gone that's it they they cut out they're out of here all right well i don't know we do we do have um i have about five minutes left to talk after jeopardy this one this went uh wonderfully congratulations on winning eric you were a great contestant uh, not not so much, but I'll, but I'll take the W. 
Yeah, it, you, yeah, the competition was fierce. I know, Bjorn. I don't think yeah. you, I don't. I don't know. Are you? You got a pulse right now or what? <laughs> yeah, that was really really hard questions. Yeah, sorry, that, that sorry, wasn't guys. easy. No, they were tough. They were tough. Um, I'm sure but, the audience thought they were made way easier. Yeah, it's for the kids for the categories. So, I don't know. Do you want, do you want to t- t- cut line? I'm actually interested in cut line because I feel like right now they got they got some cut lines going on right now. You can do slow slow drafts. It's there right. might be there might be some pretty good um, efficiencies to 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 get in those or just like some probably some pretty good values because when's the first fab run like pretty pretty quickly into the season yeah right? week yeah I think it's week two and you have to you almost have to have it that early because then you would never get anybody drafting early right it, yeah. if so if you had your first fab in week six that would be a huge disadvantage right so yeah so i think it's yeah it's right away so i'd almost uh, like take, i'd almost like take shots like my last like five or six players it's just a like huge that's what i that's what i do so if you want to take guys that are let's say you love a couple of relievers that maybe have a 40 percent chance of closing but they have elite stuff take them with your last three picks knowing you're only going to have them for one week if, if you're wrong and right. then and then and then correct it um another thing another idea is and it seems like there's a lot less multi-positional guys this year which you which does. multi-position yeah multi-positional guys are very very advantageous in that format because they can count anywhere and one thing to think about is a guy that's gone that's is slated to be start somewhere else and isn't qualified at that position because then what you're going to get is after 10 games boom all of a sudden you've got a guy that's that's got a second or third position so that's the thing. Uh, yes, another, right. yeah, another piece of advice I would give you is take boring pitchers. Don't take the upside young guys. Take the guys you think are going to throw 160 plus innings. Um, if you look over the roster of the guy that won the cut line, you won't believe it. Like the number of just milk toast. Yeah, yeah, just Miles right. Mikolas, Merrill yeah. Kelly. Yeah, exactly. So Strollman. that's, yeah, that's, that's definitely something that I would recommend. Um, and it's a, it's a feeling out period after I, at about 12 of my 18 or maybe 10 of my 18, I figured out that I'm not taking a picture till nine. So I just started. That's, that was my next question because you, isn't it sort of like the chicken or the egg? Like, yeah, you take, you're, you're advising people to take those boring pictures, but that's all that's left after you take just hammer bats. Right. Yep. Yep. So I, um, and it's not always like that every year, but this, this past year it was. It's going to be um, even more accentuated this year, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And I just hit on the right guys. Right. So I was hitting on the McKenzie's and Gilbert's and guys like that. So um, another thing that you want to concentrate on is uh, positions. So a big error that I see a lot of people, people make is not getting four catchers and not getting, 10 outfielders and not getting 16 pitchers. So I kind of have my numbers. Uh, and then during free agency, I'll see guys that, so I only do my threads by position, right? So yeah, there might be an outfield, like there might be a second baseman that's really great out there, but he doesn't fit my team. I don't need him as much. I'm going to use these resources elsewhere uh, because I already have four solid guys that equal one because it's best ball. You're right. So you're, you're, are you really um, doing in your draft? Keep all draft options open. So that you'll, you'll want, is that something you yeah. need to keep in mind? Absolutely. Get, do what the draft gives me. 
and and kind of kind of roll with that. Um, and then again, you have to be kind of really detail oriented on free agent pickups um, and make sure you're not, you know, and then obviously use every penny on the second one. So the thing that, so what I see a lot of people doing is they're, they'll be, okay, well, I have 740 bucks. Well, this guy I'm going to put in for 550 and this guy for 340. No, you do a string at 550, you do a string at 100, you know, you, you spend every nickel, which means you're going to overpay part of the time. Right. Right. But that doesn't matter because all you care about is the position getting filled. Right. Not, I think I, go ahead. they're attacking, they're attacking it like a main event free agent. That's not what it is where you're trying to get the best player available. It's completely opposite. So that, that no, makes sense. Yeah. In some, in some of my leagues this year, like the, the fab leagues, the main events and the online auctions, other auctions, I found the mistake I was making a lot was, like I, I, like I, I liked story and wit a lot in, in the early draft. So, I, and I had a lot of good middle infielders, but then people uh, became available on waivers like Abrams and Stott. And like, I have to admit Estuary Ruiz. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, and maybe this was a, a symptom of having too many teams, but I would just automatically bid on a good player to come up. And then certain teams I'd find myself, especially maybe thinking back, like the OCs, the 12 team leagues, I would just have all these middle infielders on my bench and I'd be like, I'd have Horner and like yep. Wong and like all these guys, like, do, like who do I even sit? And then I have no outfielders. So it's just like, right. I think it's just, maybe it's a very sim- simple point that you're bringing up and I'm making, but just like, if you don't need a player, right. why, why, it, it might save not, even if the player you think is going to be good, if he, if he doesn't fit on your team then you just, yeah, save your money. And yep. that's something, that's something I'm going to focus on this year. Yeah, the thing I'm going to focus on isn't cut line, but like in the auction um, after Strider, after Strider, you know, they sat him or took him out of the rotation. Somebody dropped him and I picked him up for, I don't know what it was, four bucks, six mm-hmm. bucks, yep. and then sat him on my bench for a week and then got rid of him. And I'm like, I know the guy's a badass. Why not? And my rotation was great. I had the time to sit him down there and just wait. Just wait, you know, the guy's throwing 99 with perfect, you know, that's one thing that, that I need to do better at is if a guy really impresses you, just hold on for a little while longer. Yep. I did, I did, um, I did drop Strider in a bunch of leagues, but I did, I did hold on to him in the good main event that I won. So that yeah, just goes to show you, like, I, I think I dropped him pretty much everywhere else I had him. I didn't have the patience, but you know, I agree. It's uh, those guys come guy like him comes around once every couple of years. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, doing this for a long time and you still make errors and you're still learning. So, and every year is different. It's like a different puzzle every year. Um, I mean, who, who would have thought five years ago, we're talking about a thin outfield, a stacked catcher, you know, it's like, it's just completely, completely different than, and every year is different. So uh, that's the fun part about this. And then really it's just all leading up to, you know, late March and in trying to really, when the, when the big money's on the line, making the right decisions. Cool. All right. Well, I'll let you go. And uh, thanks. Right, thanks for coming on. Do you want to, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter? Yeah, I, if I even knew my, I think I'm, I think I'm at Natty Thunder. I don't do a lot of baseball content. I kind of like, kind of like to stay under the, <laughs> under the radar. I know. Um, so um, not going to put a lot of stuff out there, but, um, but you know, that's where I'm at. Um, the Cubs fan, Bengals fan, um, living in Cincinnati. So that's where I'm at.
And then you'll see me in Vegas. I will. Dinner, yeah. dinner Thursday night. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Yeah. It was nice, nice to meet you, Eric. Yeah, you too, Bjorn. Do you have any relation to uh, Madeline Albright? Uh, was she your grandmother? I oh. Yeah, I, I call her Grandma Madeline, but she is not. Nope. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry she passed this year and you were still able to stay focused on the season. So that, that's great. Yeah, it's a real win for the Albright, Albright name. Good. Feel good story of the year. Yeah, right. absolutely. All right. Thanks All right, guys. Me. It was a pleasure. Right. Thanks for having me on. All right. Peace. All right. Take care.